0: Welcome to The Music Mission, my name is Panayoti Karamanos. I am a music teacher in Sydney, Australia, as well as the conductor and director of the Modest Orchestra, an orchestra consisting of passionate, professional musicians that prioritise the education and enjoyment of music through the performance of staple works and new compositions. All recordings you hear, including this background music, come from our public performances, which you can find on YouTube if you search Modest Orchestra. This podcast is designed for all lovers of music, no matter your musical preference, experience, or expertise. Now on to today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Dexter Cave, who I've known since 2009. And we're going to be talking about music productions. So say hi, Dexter.
1: Hey guys, I hope you're all well out there. During this trying time,
0: um, yeah, yeah, trying hard times indeed. Oh, it certainly, so, tri- certainly is. So, uh, Dexter and I—we've known each other since uh, basically year seven at Con High.
1: Yeah, a long time. And, um, you, you were, you were like, probably yeah, up there with the first friend I had at school. At right? School. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And um, we, cause we also could live quite close to each other, didn't we?
1: Yeah. So yeah, the only people from the same area.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we both played brass instruments. So we, you know, a lot of the time we did chamber music together. Remember that one year in year? Oh, uh,
1: in, in year eight and we had Bruce and it was eight. just the two of us. Cause I didn't know what, they didn't know what to do with the two brass players. They were like, we've got a bunch of kids who play piano and violin. That's easy. We've got one mm-hmm. kid who plays French horn, one kid that plays trumpet and we've got to put them in a chamber music group and we don't know what where to put them so we'll just put them together
0: you know what's funny that's exactly happening right now with my year nines
1: (laughs) oh of course because it's it's hard man like unless you have a full you need a tuba player and a couple trombone players and then you can do your brass quartets and quintets but otherwise you're stuck you can't do it two two brass instruments
0: yeah, we've just got a trombone girl and a trump and a trumpet girl just together as a chamber because we have chamber as well. Um, <laughs> but I don't take that, so I just just wander and I go, oh dear, this is not chamber music.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's a uh, it's duet time.
0: It's duet time, exactly. Um, so yeah, so Dexter plays French horn and you've played with a modest orchestra a few times. Yeah, a
1: few times. I quite enjoy Playing with Modest Orchestra because I don't get to play as much as I would like to anymore. Mm. Not for not for lack of trying, just because it's uh, there's not a lot of French horn gigs going.
0: No, in, there isn't yeah, in um, Sydney
1: at the moment. Not unless no, you're I, really really good.
0: Yeah, unless you're Chris Howes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you play with Modest and uh, a couple of concerts. You've actually helped uh, film and do the audio.
1: Yeah, so my um, after school, after doing the whole con thing and doing the brass thing, I went to, I decided with actually another one of uh, a guy we studied with, Jeff. We both decided to go and instead of pursuing the performance or education or composition route of education, we went and decided to do tech and do uh, a degree in um, music and sound design. So, sort of a, a bit of an all same as the music performance is a bit all encompass all encompassing in terms of uh, what you do you look at everything from like how to mix and master like for an album and how to record and how to do the mixing for a live show and how to do sound design for film and television and sort of like really out there music tech stuff and um, interactive and sort of getting towards the end, we're getting into like virtual reality and gaming and augmented reality and all that sort of stuff. So like they, they try to cover every base with, um, with that. So people can, all the people that we study with have like a lot of options post uni, which doesn't always end up happening because even (laughs) like covering all of those things, there's still not a lot of jobs and not a lot of full-time jobs for, um, that sort of like part of the, those creative industries. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's re- that's really cool. I've started to, you know, I've had conversations with you. I've started to get into sound ge- engineering slightly. I've taught myself Ableton, which is pretty cool actually. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that, and so. That's,
1: I, that's the, like, I mean, for us, that was like the the first, I remember getting, I remember in high school actually someone, showed me Ableton and I was like oh this is like every instrument and more than you can imagine inside of your computer like and because you know you you sort of when you're learning like that in that sort of formal structure you learning like we did the only sort of music production stuff we did was like the median Sibelius
0: mm-hmm.
1: or like maybe Garage Band, but it or maybe Logic but even then like not really and so no. it's like I remember seeing that and being like, "This is so weird and crazy that this exists, and this is how, like, modern." Yeah, and I mean, maybe not in like that what wo- world, but like most music now today that you listen to that is on the radio is made in, if not made in Ableton, is made in a software like Ableton. It's like
0: yeah, like, like it's made in a door uh, for those yeah. people. It's a digital audio workstation like Logic or or GarageBand. Really, it's like something that's a workstation lets you do audio um yeah. yeah so you know it's a really cool and i'm just starting to get into it and i'm realizing how hard it is and how crazy it is i got like a little novation launch key mini mark 3 yeah and i'm just controller. like yeah and i discover what the contact player is so i'm like downloading samples going oh my gosh i could download an entire yeah. orchestra
1: <laughs> yeah it's awesome who needs modest I know who, who needs, needs modest, who, who needs, and then that's when you sort of, when you start to discover this stuff, you go like, why do they do anything? Like, why do people have orchestras at all ever? Why would you see anything live when it's all my inside my computer?
0: Yeah. But then I started getting get a little bit frustrated, but I couldn't do certain things, but you know, probably yeah, if I had like course. a thousand dollar sample. Oh, I, mean,
1: I mean, there's, there's always going to be certain things like, but it depends on what sort of music, I guess you're trying to like, recreate or create yeah
0: do you know like, a guy called apache
1: apache no i don't what he
0: uh he's the guy that does okay you, do you follow tiktok a little bit yeah do you know that that really epic choir song i'll try and play it actually on my phone um we'll get copyright stricken now we'll be fine apache yeah. he's really cool he does great music and uh, his majesty I'll just play a little bit of it. And like he, he I has an album. Yeah. yeah. And he has one from Lacrimosa like where he just takes the opening to Mozart. And like he actually got a real um orchestra and like recorded them live he didn't everyone's like oh what sample library did you use he actually recorded it live which is pretty of cool
1: that's awesome and then sped it up heaps
0: yeah <laughs> and, and you get like, that cool effect
1: yeah and then it's like cool we're gonna re- pay to record this orchestra and then i'm gonna absolutely destroy the audio quality by making it four <laughs> times as fast <laughs> which is that's cool. how you do it but that's cool man that's that's how you make music no- nowadays Is you uh is you take something really nice that you work really hard on, and then you absolutely destroy it to make something yep. else.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dude. Um, so, yeah, this this guy, like Apache, uh, I watched a few of his documentaries online, like how he's making it, how he's in the studio, and he's like panicking going, oh, dear, like will will the orchestra like my music? And turns mm. out they did. Um and yeah, it's pretty cool. So I'm starting to realize how Ableton really, Ableton Logic are just like where it's at.
1: Oh, dude. The, it's, it's, I think, and I think that's like, and I mean, you would probably see this considering like you're in a classroom teaching kids music like every day. It's one of those things where I think, and I, I don't know, like I'm in two minds about it because it's like I've learned all of this thing, all of these things. Um, like Ableton and Logic and all that sort of stuff after school like and after all that initial music learning and all that music Mm. learning is really important like knowing how to structure a song or how to structure a piece of music and structure your harmony and, and understanding like complex rhythm and like all that sort of stuff is really useful in like how you're going to create something because you need to I mean you don't need to know how to do those things a lot of people don't and they still make great music but it's like you need to have some sort of innate understanding of those things before you can just like open up. You're not just going to like go, Ooh, I'm going to open able today and I'm going to make a, like a new hit song. And like, it's going to totally blow up. That won't happen just because that's not how music works. And so it's like, you're right. Like there, they are where it's at for, for everyone, but I don't know. Are they, will they replace like the key functional keyboard classes at university one day or will they replace you know, kids learning oral and harmony in, yeah. in in like year nine ten. Like instead of instead of learning how to do uh like what are the notes on a treble clef and a bass clef, we're gonna learn how to create sends and returns in, in logic and how to do busing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And how to use a step sequencer. And yeah. that's something that James Humberstone, you know, James, um, yeah. he's really passionate about pushing forward um using a door. And he, he was like to me, dude, just do a whole term with year nine on step on just creating a beat and then another term, like literally teaching he's like, you can design a whole program around it. So you're 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 right, you can't actually do yeah. it.
1: Because it's so engaging as well for them, particularly like for because it's so user-friendly in terms of these kids that already know how to use computers quite well. Yeah. They're like they can engage with you, stick stick them in front of an interface and they're just like, oh, I can sort of work my way around. It's like you know if they've ever edited like any a photo or or a piece of video it's the same sort of type of software just for music making
0: yeah but on the flip side um like you said without that base knowledge it's kind of hard just to enter it and just like learn
1: yeah exactly like it it's I mean I mean it's it might be good for some kids who like don't have that base knowledge and to get into it if they're not into it it's like okay cool like I, you know, Mr. K brought up Ableton. We, d- we brought up like the, you know, um, like a drum kit and we b- learned how to make a beat today and then they get all excited <laughs> and then they go home and like <laughs> m- can make a beat. But it's like you can make a beat because you understand like because you've heard that and like your brain has innately recognized those pa- patterns through like just sort of culture, like an understanding of if you listen to music, you know how to make that sort of thing. But then yeah. it's like to understand exactly what you're doing Is then you could you have to like retroactively learn that? I think a lot of people do that. Like when you find out about like pretty big um, people who have worked in like record production, particularly in like world the world of music that's maybe less theoretical. Like people who are into like hip hop or or like more dance music or some stuff like that, which is what these softwares Mm. like are used for a lot. They're not coming to logic or coming to fl studio or ableton and going all right cool today we're going to make a song in a minor pentatonic which is usually (laughs) what like that sort of music's in right it's usually like some like minor pentatonic with some bells and like that sort of sound but they're not they're not thinking that they're coming into it and they might have heard like a cool sample and then they'll play something and then Mm. later on they'll like they'll sort of be like oh cool i really like that beat why do i like it what's that what's that chord he's using what's that like what's that key he's using what's that progression and then they'll Mm. learn about that and then that's how they get like really into the theory of it but because they already know how to make the beat so it's like i know people like that because i I sort of going to university like we had a songwriting class and it was for a lot of kids it was like okay cool um today we're doing like songwriting we're going to do chord structures we're going to do this that and the other and you know, Jeff and I are sitting in this class and she, the, the teacher's sitting at the piano and she's playing chords and she's like, okay, guys, what's this chord? And then like, what's the next chord? And what's their relationship? And Jeff and I, they're like banging our heads on the ground because it's like, <laughs> this is like, it was just like stuff we were doing in like year eight and year nine harmony classes. but it's Probably like year these, seven. Yeah, well, exactly. And then for, for these guys, they've never, they have no idea, they can't read music, but these mm. guys like are really good at producing music. And so right. for them, it's so much more interesting because they can go, like they can learn how to make stuff that's maybe a little bit more nuanced or they can actually understand what they're doing while, yeah. while while they're doing it instead of just doing it. It's sort of like, you know, people who can, like they have really good pattern recognition, but they don't understand what are the parts that make up the pattern.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, do you think there's an advantage... Like, okay, what do you think is better, really? Because, like, you're classically trained and then you became um, essentially a music producer. Yeah. Um, Is there a difference between what you and Jeff can do that that others can't do? Or is there something that others can't do that because you and Jeff have this, like, expert knowledge of, like, harmony and functional music, like, you two are, like, literally high-end, like, peaking, uh, does that
1: put you at a disadvantage maybe? I mean, yeah, I think sometimes it does put us at a disadvantage in terms of like that thing where if you're trying to be like really creative with what you're you're trying to make something really new and interesting and you know so much, there's too many things to pull from. Or like, for example, like stuff, think about the stuff that we learned in like that you learn in year 11 and 12 music. Um, it's like you're learning like really full on like tone rows and like serialism and all oh, this sort yeah. of stuff that's like, full-on modernist composition that's really interesting and important to know about but it's like you learn so much about that but then we don't you don't learn about like modern song structure or like no any of those sorts of things which you can then pick up like Jeff and I picked up those things quite easily because like you know through either through jazz or through just like you just have a good ear for it but like mm. you don't have because your understanding of it is functional before it's like um emotional you have a more ah. of a functional relationship to it like i think whoa Je- jeff and i would sit down like we'd be, say we'd be given an assessment and be like okay guys you've got you know three weeks um produce a song mm. and i mean i i know jeff and i've talked about this before and we sort of agreed and disagree it it, it it's, has levels and waves to it right but it's like that mm. thing of like sometimes you might overthink the chord that you're going to use in that progression. So like, say you're, you've got like a, you're playing like a two, four, five, one, or something like that, mm. you know, like a minor two with like a flat seven, whatever. Doesn't matter. But you're going to start adding extensions on mm. there because you're like, I've got to make this more interesting. You're going to be thinking yep. about the voice leading and you know about all that sort of stuff Because you have the context of it, but at the same time you'll be sitting there going like, "Oh, what what note, like what extension should I use on that chord?" Or like, "Does that Mm. work?" And then like, and then you get too into like the ins and outs of it, and not enough about like, "What's the point of making the music?" Like, "Am I making a song that's meant to make people feel like this or that?" Or do I just want something that's going to be fun? Like, it's I think, and that's that's like the big thing about sort of all sorts of composition, like whether it's you know whether you are writing like for an orchestra or you are producing a track purely based on samples and meeting mm. in, in logic, like you have to ask yourself, like, what am I making this for? Like, what's, right, what am I doing? Like, where, what am I using it for? And like, sometimes it is you are a commissioned composer and you're doing it for a film or for whatever, for, for someone, for a purpose. Sometimes it's like, if you are just like that person who's just like, I'm, an, I'm a composer and I'm an artist or whatever. And you sit down and you go okay cool i've got this progression yeah but i don't know if it's working and and then Mm. sometimes like it's useful to have that information at extra training because you can come up with all those solutions but also sometimes it's useful to not have it because your the amount of solutions you can come up with is more limited which means that your creative choices like aren't as um numerous which means you're not as like you're not faced with as many choices you don't have to make as many choices at every step so it's like what are, what are the voicings okay cool what what are, what's the rhythm gonna be like what's that and like you just get so bogged down in all the different like choices that you make that are of course informed by like modern songwriting so of course you don't want to be too weird and then do and that was that that was the thing as well with that i'd find is like jeff would play some like sick thing on the keys and i'd listen to it i'm like all right that's cool but like mm. way way too jazzy like, ah. like, way too, like, like, the vocabulary of it in terms of like the harmonic content is not friendly to like a modern, like, pop listener's ear, maybe, right? Yep. Like, exactly. The, like, the kind of person who's like listening to the radio isn't, is going to listen to that and be like, oh, that's jazz and not think, oh, that's a pop song, <laughs> you know? And so, like, it's then yeah. like picking up the vocabulary, like the harmonic vocabulary of the, those, like, sort of songs or pieces of music and understanding like how to exist within that world like and use your own voice and whatever but like exist within that world without sticking out too much and seeming like you're trying to be an imposter or um, like recreate something that you don't fully understand or recreate something with something that you have too much of an understanding of. And so I like it's it's a good question. Uh, Is it too much? Is it better to have learned before and sometimes i'm like i'm glad i know all this stuff and other times i'm like man i wish i it just limits you holds you back well well, yeah i don't wish i didn't know it like right i'm glad i do know it i just sometimes wish i knew different things instead like i'd learned something else like i'd learned how to play guitar but like learned how to play guitar in like a rock band or in in like like blues guitar or learn how to play can you play guitar like yeah, but very poorly. And can and you also play bar chords? It, yes. Okay. So you're fine. like yeah, it's fine. Well, I and mean, exactly, and that's that thing. Then you're just playing bar chords and then you're like, Cool, I can play every chord on the guitar because you just go up chromatically. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you realize, oh wait, oh no, I've got to do other shapes. Oh no, yeah, I can't I do, just do E minor.
1: Because <laughs> those are bad voicings. Because <laughs> it's yeah. just the same voicing, and then you're just well, and that's well, so that's an interesting example, right? Like there are some, so that's called um, chord planing, and chord, chord planing. So, oh my gosh, is that an actual term? Yeah. So chord planing is like, so in dance music, what like, so imagine I'm trying to think, of like you imagine some like '90s like house track that's got like a, okay. pian- a piano chord sample in it, and it's like dun 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 dun, and then it would change, yep. and there'd be a progression, but the chord voicing is always the same because they're not like before MIDI piano sounds were really good, like sampled MIDI ah. piano sounds really good, it would just be a sample and they would just transpose the sample. But the oh thing no. is, is because the sample is, for example, maybe like a minus seven chord, every chord is the same voiced minor seven chord, just moved <laughs> up and down four semitones, seven semitones, like so that it just fits into this progression. And so like that's yeah. chord Chord playing, it's sort of the same. It's just playing all bar chords. It's like it's the same chord just moved up or down a few semi-turns. And it, it, it's its a certain sound. Like, don't get me wrong, it it sounds good in some contexts, but in others it's just like, well, that's really boring.
0: <laughs> that's really, yeah, it's just, it's just really it's bad. It's same, um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, um, it's such a weird thing. So does that mean, so your style as an artist, you and Jeff, do you say that you guys, when you produce stuff, do you explore like more complex harmonies and stuff, or like, or like, yeah. and you don't focus on the beat and things like that, or
1: well, like? I mean, uh, sometimes, sometimes I'm, it's hard. It's, it's so hard to like, because you have those, un- you know about these things that exist that are really like complex, and then you feel like you're not like sometimes I've written things like I've written a couple of things recently actually, and they're just like, f- like four chords. And I, I, okay. So I think that's like, that's a sort of an interesting launch point for something that I, like the reason I got into when I first heard Ableton being used mm-hmm. and I sort of learned about that, I was like, the thing that was so interesting about it is that it wasn't like, the the harmonic possibility or the rhythmic possibility, which are also like awesome and really interesting. But all those things are already being explored in live, like quote unquote classical music or like live concert music. Uh, Um, Art music? Art art music, yeah, art music. Um, And so like the thing that was really interesting was like the sound, like the actual sounds, like the what we would call tone, tone, color. tone color or texture. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can create these sounds that don't exist in the real world.
0: No, they don't. They're so, so
1: cool. Yeah. And so, like, that's sort of where I'll like kick off in that direction. If I would be like, okay, cool. I wrote these four chords and they're really boring, or like, they're not boring, but they're just like standard to the sort of, uh, they're vanilla chords yeah they're vanilla they're what you'd expect in like a hip-hop track or in a dance track or in a rock song or whatever Mm. um and then but then it's like and it's the same like when you listen to certain artists that you know that are really interesting yeah like the reason that most people find them interesting is because they have like a signature texture signature tone colors and like maybe Mm. they have signature harmonies as well but like if you do that, you know, those analysis or, you know, the, that example of the guys that like get up and they're like, we're going to play four chord songs and they just like p- play like a hundred different songs using yeah, the same yeah, yeah. four chords, like using like a six, six, five, four, one or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's like, that's cool that you, we can have so many different songs that are all in different styles and different genres and about different content and happy and sad and some are this and that and the other, they all use the same harmony like exactly the same harmony but they're also different because yeah they all have different melodies first of all that's the thing they do have different melodies but also they they have they have different texture and they have different tone color and that's like the main thing is like you can have like a really full-on like happy like big bright like synth heavy dance track and then you could also have like a really pared back like singer-songwriter, guitar and like cajon and voice, like really simple thing. And they're exactly the same harmony, but they're completely different songs. Like they're completely, they're not even all related.
0: Well, I'm at the moment, uh, I made a song uh, two years ago called Heart of Gold uh, for a assignment. We had a a topic called PMS, which was pop music studies, uh, great acronym. Um <laughs> And
1: man, that, uh, PMS.
0: Yeah, it was always great. It was like, oh, I've got PMS today, um, was always the statement. <laughs> Everyone said that. <laughs> um, so in pop music I they like make a pop song. And so I did it had uh, with acoustic guitar, like me singing backing vocals, Aerie sang the vocals, uh, piano. And I've kind of just picked that up recently. And I've just, you know, I've discovered contact. Mm. with a K c- contact player. Contact. And um, by native yeah, instruments.
1: Yeah. Not sponsored. Yeah.
0: Not sponsored. Um please sponsor us. Um <laughs> and then I chucked it into Ableton. I was like, okay, cool. Let me create some loops. So I created the four four chord loop and I got the melody. And then I just started loading in these plugins and I started playing with like all these these digitizers, all these samplers. And it was it's a completely different song. Like if I show you Yeah which I will the, the original acoustic version versus this like few like this amazing like electric sound but you can, like also build up,
1: f- you can build up a whole like orchestral array of sounds and not using like traditional orchestra sounds you can use like whatever sounds you want and it's like going to be as big as that sort of a texture which is so crazy mm. right
0: yeah and so that's what this is it's got it's kind of like it's not it's got a, i've downloaded the bbc uh symphony orchestra yeah. um sample pack yeah, which is nice. totally totally free if you wait two weeks uh, but I couldn't wait two weeks, so I just paid fifty bucks. I thought, well, you know, the money goes <laughs> to the musicians, and you know, COVID, everyone needs money, so um, I decided to do that. So I bought it. Um, so it's got a bit of like a bit of bit of a string orchestra in there. It's got trumpets and everything. It's it's really cool. Uh, so it's like this. Re- it's got like the textual thickness of an orchestra, but it's not an orchestra. Yeah, and it's a. Uh, it's pretty cool.
1: It's it's crazy play it now. Oh, I mean, you don't have to play it now. Oh, ah, okay. Uh, so say, me I'll, later.
0: Yeah. I'll definitely show you. Um, and I, you'll see the old one where it's like me dodgily playing guitar. And it's like missing the strings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, or like, or not, not um, fretting correctly. And then like getting buzzing and like,
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 buzzing. Um, and I couldn't quite play two strings at the same time in thirds. So I, I actually multi-tracked two individual strings oh separately, God. one at a time. And there's no, there's, there's also flamming. That's
1: fine. That's fine. That's the perfect, that's the art of uh, the recording is that you don't have to play it all at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> to, well, And that's it. That's the other thing, right? Is that it's like you spend all this time. It's like, you know, we, when we did the, um, you did the modest project with like for the orchestra, um, like the virtual, the orchestra. virtual orchestra. Yeah right and it's like i when i recorded the horn parts like i recorded the first time i did it for the first part i did um i did it all in one take which is like most of the musicians that would have submitted would have done one take listening through and then send it to you but then the next time i couldn't get the part right and so i just did it and recorded it over and over and over again into ableton until I got it right, and then I stitched it all together so that it was all in the right order and all in the right timing.
0: That's called comping, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, like, that's one of those things that I was like, well, I haven't practiced in a while. I know I can <laughs> physically play this, but I'm not going to nail it all in one take. So I can just comp this part a bunch of times. <laughs> and then, is get, that what you get, did? And then get the perfect take, right? And it's like, yeah done and then and then but the thing is, is well that's funny about that is like i did the comping but i missed there was like one bar that i couldn't nail and so i was like ah oh, no i'll leave it for now and i'll come back and do it tomorrow and then I came back mm. and did it tomorrow. And then my sound the next day was completely different. Like because I <laughs> because I hadn't played in an ages, and then I played one day, it was like quite bright on the first day, and then the next day I was like, because I was completely chopped from the day before. <laughs> my, I, I was like, oh no, it's it sounds really bad <laughs> because like it's, just yeah, it's one it's like, bar that's just completely sounds like a different person <laughs> on a different day in a different room, like even though it's not, it's on just a me. different mic. Today. Well, yeah, exactly. It's just like, what happened? But that's that's one of those things that if you didn't, if I didn't tell you that, you probably wouldn't know, mm. because that's how good sort of we can be at stitching together. Like when you do vocal comps, and that's like you know when you um, listen to a pop song or listen listen to any piece of music, none of what you are listening to is like the, is the vocalist or any of the instrumentalists on that song playing front to back perfectly. None.
0: No, I've learned that. I've really learned that. I used to think it was.
1: Yeah, you just think, oh, the band just gets into the studio, the guitarist, the drummer goes into a different room because he's really loud, but they're all synced up and then everyone just plays their part all at the same time like they would do it live and then that's it. And it's like, no. Like usually the drummer comes in, they'll lay it down and then what will happen is they'll go, okay, cool. The, maybe the verse drums and the chorus drums are different. We'll get like four bars of the verse drums that are good and then we'll just loop it. Yeah. And then we we'll have got four four bars of the chorus uh, Cross drums are good and then we'll loop it and then there m- might be some fills in the trans- transitions and we'll comp those in and so you can have those that like playing and then the drum will just come in on the fill for like the comp mm. so they know that and then like and then you'll be like okay cool drums done sweet we'll get the bass player and maybe we'll get the drum and bass player to do it at the same time but like probably not bass player in bass player <laughs> if they're a really good bass player i know a couple of bass players that could do it in one or two takes if mm-hmm. they not, will do like, they'll do a rough. So they'll do like one play all the way through and then they'll go in and fix all the mistakes. And so then you're <laughs> like, then you're like cutting in and out and in and out and in and out of like every time oh, it it's a note, every time a note doesn't sound right, every time it's at a time, like just to fill all those holes. And it's like, oh it's, God, and that's for every part. And you might have 50 parts. Cause it might be like a really complex pop song with all these synth layers and stuff. And luckily with that stuff, you just program it. Like you can get the mini to play it for you. So Yeah. You
0: quantize it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So it's like going to be theoretically perfect, but then you still have to do the vocalist. It's like all these things. It's like we, we, it's the exact opposite of what performing orchestral musicians do, which is try to get it perfect in one go on the day, no pressure. You've only been practicing your entire life for this moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's so it kind of makes you because like isn't this how um their Queen record like I, you've seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody right? Yeah, yeah, and like you know that scene where they where they're filming Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, like that was basically you know just could they comp back then? Not really.
1: Um, so back when they were doing tape, they did do comps, but, um, so you're doing real to real. The thing with the comping is that you'd still, as a musician, have to have really good timing. Right. Because if you were like, oh no, I was half a second late on that comp. Like you've just recorded to tape. We can't like, we can erase uh- that with silence. So what you can, what you could do is if, if. Say, for example, like Freddie had sung the beginning. Like, I mean, it, it wouldn't have, that wasn't one, wouldn't, wouldn't have been, it would have been maybe two takes. Yeah. And they would have spliced some of the bits together. But like, okay. you can also pause the, pause the tape, rewind and then play back and then start hit record like halfway through. Ah, uh, um, cool. So you could have it playing like, and then he just comes in and sings one note here or there. But also, like the um the vocal effects that happen in Bohemian Rhapsody are like quite like when there's the the choir of him. Yes. So that's all. That's actually all, him singing.
0: Just multi. Just just the same tape recorded recorded over it.
1: Yeah. And so there's a
0: limit limit how much they could do that right
1: well yeah because the the tape would get like noisier it could only have so much it's sort of like how audio works digital audio works now where like you know you have like audio will clip if you have too much gain coming in so it's the same with tape but tape had a lot more headroom and also if you start to fill it with too much loudness you wouldn't get like distortion that we know now where it's like all garbled and just mm-hmm. like di- digital noise, it was more. You would just get like a grinding sort of graininess and a noisiness that was more like what people call warmth today. When people talk about analog music, analog instruments, and analog, um, like vinyl or anything like that, that's like when they go, "Oh, that has that crackle and the warmth and stuff." They get the same thing on tape when you had overloaded it with um, oh. sound, which is why like a lot of people prefer sort of um, like like a lot of artists today still record to tape. Really? I thought it was
0: like really yeah. phased out.
1: Yeah, so like in Nashville, they um there are like I think a handful of studios where you could go in and you re- could record stretch tech. Like Mark Ronson when he did um what's that song he has with Miley Cyrus called? Um Not the Climb, is it? No. Um <laughs> Party in USA. It's no <laughs> party in USA. Um. Uh, nothing breaks like a heart. That's right. Ah, uh, okay. Do you know that one? He, he so that is like Mark Ronson in his studio. He rec- recorded all that to tape, and then the best thing is he records it all to tape, then immediately converts it to digital so he can edit it in Pro Tools. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Like that's the first thing he does. He's like, all right, cool. We'll cut that to tape and then we'll import it so then we can cut it together. And it's because he likes the quality of the sound on the tape, but it's like, it's just a pain in the ass to edit. (laughs)
0: Like that, that could, that, that'd be so bad.
1: Oh my God. Right. Right. Like, yeah. I mean. Isn't there like some
0: sort of like plugin that like, like tape emulator?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, of course there's heaps of those. And they're really like to you or I, to to 99.9% of people, you cannot tell the difference right except for maybe the guy that made it and some guy who's like really into tape would be able to yeah and that's uh, that's him yeah well and that's well i mean probably he can't even tell but it's just like it's the it's a process like it's part of the creative i don't know whatever it's authentic yeah it's it's what he wants and it's because he can afford to do it because it's really expensive to do it because you have to have tape and have the machinery to do it but uh if you want to do it that way, you go ahead. Why not?
0: Yeah, I can imagine him like having a good setup for it. He's like, all right, cool. Now that that's transcoding to the computer, I'm going to go do this, which is whatever he's going to go do.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it is an interesting, and um, that's sort of when um, they did, like Pro Tools was the first. It well, was Cool Edit Pro, which is what is now... Um, Cool Edit Pro became Audition and Audacity.
0: Oh, okay. So oh, became- Audacity. I hate it. I don't know why, but we can talk about that soon, but continue. Yep.
1: Um, And there was also Pro Tools were like the first like big doors that were like sort of av- like out there and available to the public, like that mm. weren't just used by movie studios or high level um, music studios. And so like, places were like so like people were so blown out by the ability you could record like you know for example what we're doing right now and then go back in play it back immediately and cut it up into little chunks and then rearrange it and so you could like people there was all these like weird parts of the internet (laughs) when this first started happening in the 90s where people would get like speeches of like things that people had said and then just reorder it so they have said something completely different and that's how (laughs) you like like it was just like all these people doing these crazy things and turning um, spoken word into song because you could like add pitch to like, you could synthesize pitch to a voice and do all that sort of stuff. And it was so it's crazy. like what they do with
0: those Barack Obama speeches, how they make songs out of them.
1: Yes, exactly. Like those, or anytime you see anything, it's like songified. Like songify thing was like the first thing that people were doing with spoken words that were recorded, like when, Digital audio workstations first became accessible to like the average person when Pro wow. Tools was like, you can download Pro Tools off our website. You know, people were like, cool, I'm going to cut up Winston um, Churchill talking, <laughs> you know, about the end of World War Two and make it into a song because why not? Yeah. And, <laughs> the,
0: and then, and then, and then they did.
1: Yeah, and then they did. And then, and That's also the funny. other thing that they started to do was podcasting. Podcasting was actually one of the first things that people were doing because they could record to their computer and then they could Mm. upload it to the internet
0: oh really people weren't really i guess they weren't really no they wouldn't be
1: no because the process is very very new it's completely a digital media thing it is which is crazy like it's like radio but it's you know radio is ephemeral radio doesn't exist forever whereas podcasting you can always go back and listen to
0: but it only exists in digital form. Yeah, there's no such thing ever of physical. I know. Why well, would you, you could, want that? I mean,
1: you could, man. You could record it to a cassette tape and then. Yeah. Or to a vinyl and then distribute <laughs> it. But why would someone? That, that means that you're assuming then that they're going to listen to it multiple times, right? Like I, is, I don't know about you, but I've only li- most podcasts I listen to I listen to once, maybe twice.
0: Yeah, I've, yeah, exactly. I don't think I've really ever listened to a podcast twice, maybe like a short five minute one, like a good speech, like a motivation thing. It's like, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm ready for this.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Or something that you like, oh, I remember they said something really interesting in this podcast that I want to remember. And then you forget it and then you have to go back to listen to it again. But like,
0: yeah, there, there was one by like Gary Vaynerchuk um, who you might know. And he was like yeah. talking about like minimalism and how like and hustling and how like how to run a business? I was like, he's got some good points in that one. I'm gonna listen to it again and t- like take better notes yeah. in my head. Yeah,
1: Exactly, and actually pay attention. <laughs> yeah, and actually
0: pay attention. Exactly.
1: Uh, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. What, pe- what people do with tools when they uh when you give them to them, it's like they don't know what to do. Because that was the thing as well as like Pro Tools at that stage was 100. You could have 128 tracks maximum, mm-hmm. and there was no MIDI, so it was purely audio. And so it was like, what do we do with this? Yeah. As an average person, like, what am I meant to do with this thing where I can just edit audio together? It's like. Um,
0: and they just went crazy. Speaking a crazy of uh, MIDI, uh, MIDI 2.0 is coming out this year. Have you heard?
1: Yes, I, I have heard. Very excited. Okay. okay. So, so
0: what is it? All I know is that you, you have more sensitivity. Like 137 I, was the old one. And this one has more. That's all I know. Please explain.
1: um, So, so MIDI, so MIDI for those who don't know is Musical Instrument Digital Interface. Um, it is like a really, really old standard of uh musical information transfer. Like, so it's purely just timed information transferring. Like, that's all that's happening. How long has Um, this been around for? It's been. I let me check. I think it oh, I want to say the eighties.
0: Eighties. Whoa. Uh, no, you
1: know, surely mid, MIDI as a protocol was introduced at the sequent. Yeah, nineteen eighty-one.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. And it has. So, uh,
0: we're on to version two only. What? To, yeah, why so, is it? So, take-
1: okay. So because so MIDI came about because there were these there there were a huge. Um sort of there were all these conferences happening with all these dudes who were all the big synthesizer manufacturers. And the problem was is that you couldn't get two synthesizers to communicate to each other in like a way that made sense. like Because the way that the engineers would design these instruments, like they just, like there's a thing called control voltage, which is like just electrical current, which is like used a lot now in synthesizers. But that at the time people weren't making things that were operating at control voltage, which is like quite a high um, voltage. And so there was no communication protocol between synthesizers. And this is also like, synthesizers are starting to become digital they're getting sequences in them so maybe i have my like nice synthesizer and i have a sequencer in it but i also want to sequence my drum machine at the same time so theoretically i should be able to take one of the sequence options out the back and turn on a kick drum right but i can't do that because these synthesizers won't talk to each other which is uh
0: what happened with the first terminator movie actually i watched the 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 music He, he was struggling he had to do it all by hand didn't he
1: yeah exactly exactly and so so there was um dave smith who is this guy that says This says a company called sequential circuits and they make synthesizers and they make very good synthesizers actually um and he wrote a paper and he presented it to the audio engineering society um at a conference um in new york and he i think he originally wanted to call it the universal synthesizer interface um but universal ter- USI, use. so universal synthesizer interface, and right. he, they, that name wasn't like they never took that up because MIDI A was like purely digital, so it was taking um, analog control voltages and turning them into a digitized, or able to turn them into a digitized signal, which means that you could have a computer. That could interface with a synthesizer in theory, even though at this time in 1981, that's not what they were thinking. No. But, um, and so like they, but the problem was is that, so in, when they proposed this, they, the problem was, is that like, okay, cool. This is really a great idea. All these companies were like, okay, cool. We want to put that in our synthesizer because that's like a marketability thing. And then we can talk with our other, like we can sell expansion packs for our old synthesizers where you plug a thing into the back and then it makes it MIDI compatible and all this sort of thing. Um, right. And so the, the, they started this company called the Mini, Mini MMA, which is the Midi Manufacturers Association. And they mm-hmm. sort of like, when all this was happening, they were like, oh my God, they had to come up with all of the standards so quickly because the demand was so high really? for these instruments to have it. So they were like, okay, cool. We only have 128 possible, volt, um, what they call, what do they call them? 128 possible um, velocities? velocities, yeah. Like yeah. they use, they say velocity, but like the velocities are used for lots of different things for like clock and for slurring and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and so you have zero to 127. Zero being oh, nothing, wow. 127 being like the highest thing. So imagining you've only got 127 ways, like levels of loudness that you can play a note or levels of pitch or levels of, all, the, all those different um, parameters that right. you could have for a musical instance because it's not necessarily a note. It can also be like a rest or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they had to come up with all these standards and they were like, okay, cool. And then they cemented it really quickly. Like I think it took them like two years and they just turned it around from when Dave Smith was like, we need this thing. And then they were like, yeah, we do it. We did it um and so for ages they were like well nothing's really wrong with like they i mean there were lots of things wrong with midi but like (laughs) like midi is and they just change well they over time they change like it's like a five pin connector and then you could do it through usb and then like all those sorts of things change oh the five pin
0: pin connectors i've seen them yeah
1: yeah that's the original midi midi 1.0 jack right yeah um and then like they just changed like what you could have midi transferred over like what's the format but like essentially that was it and it was like well midi's like up until this point you still midi 1.0 is in like i've got every piece of musical equipment i have that's got like a power socket on it has like a midi capability right yeah. and and so it's they're like well nothing's wrong with it it's been 40 good. years <laughs> like it's been good yeah. to us and then I think there was it was that thing where it's like over like even you know five years 10 years 15 years people like well aren't you gonna fix it like I want this sort of I want more options for velocity I want you know like um
0: does it change well, how like talking with each other like things well, like well,
1: that the, the, well the problem is is that like there will have to be like a first instrument that's a MIDI 2.0 instrument that maybe will have all these problems. It won't be able to talk to MIDI 1.0. It right. won't be because like, it has a high resolution. How do you scale that resolution? Because it's like if it's got a high resolution for velocity and you've got say, you know, it's like going from 8-bit to 16-bit to 32-bit, Right. And it's yeah. like, well, you know, when you get like a really good quality 32 bit video or sound recording and then you compress it right down to an 8 bit and it chooses and you can see it like in particularly in an image, like you get certain squares and it's like this square is red. And it's like, well, maybe before that, that particular like big pixel used to have like 10 different colors in it or 30 different colors in it. Mm. And now it's just been averaged out to red. And so it's like, so how do you average out? like is a note on is a note off is a note loud is a note soft like um
0: there's a lot of issues
1: there i can see it coming up now yeah and so like you get 16 channel audio becoming 256 channel audio and like it it's it it took them a while and they finally i think worked it out hence why they were announced they were like yeah midi 2.0 we're gonna we're gonna do it um (laughs) (laughs) so it has more velocity does it have like i listened to
0: a guy talk about it like a couple weeks ago and i've forgotten everything um yeah
1: i I honestly i remember listening to two or three things and being like okay cool so they're going to 16 bit velocity they're going to be like doing make it fully backwards compatible with midi 1.0 um they're gonna make it so vst3 which is like for a virtual Instrument So VSTs are like synthesizers, but virtual, right? So what you use yeah. in Ableton or Logic when you open a synthesizer. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, VST3 is like quite a high resolution thing. And sometimes people don't use MIDI to control that. They use like an open source controller. So it's like got more resolution. They make Oh, really? That oh, so yeah. th- those exist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people like there's alternatives to MIDI that people have been using for a while, but they're not like standardized. And so mm. the idea being that like MIDI 2.0 is going to be like extremely integrated with VST3. In th- I don't know what that means. That you know.
0: It just means it's going to work nicely. We'd have to think about it, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then um, the other thing is like how MIDI packages its information digitally on your computer. So like you have dot, dot .mid files, which yes. are like the, the sort of like if I export the MIDI file out of Sibelius or whatever, you get the dot .mid file. Yeah, it's just a bunch um, of numbers that a program interprets. Yeah. Yeah, of course, and it's like got, it's got tempo information, it's got dynamic information, it's got node information, it's got velocity information, it's got pitch bend information, it's got lots of information in there, um, mm. but like sometimes it's like pretty, it's pretty crap. Like you <laughs> you import one MIDI file from one software to another, and it's like all it's the mess. information just does. Yeah, it's a mess. It doesn't integrate very well, and so I think they're um, they're gonna change. they've changed that like how many messages are like formulated in that file type. Oh no way. And they're upping the amount of bytes per like, like the, it's that higher resolution thing again, but in terms of like how many bytes does it take to store like one note is like no longer, it's not one byte. It's now five, you know? And so it means you've got all this extra information that you could possibly have about that note,
0: which 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 is interesting. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. Right. Because it's like, In the real world, there's like infinite numbers of possibilities to to the determinant. Obviously, like you can't control all of those. No, you can't even every time you play, you play a note on your trumpet, right? Like it's different.
0: It's, I don't think I've ever played two notes exactly the same ever, ever,
1: ever. Impossible. I wish you could do that. I've, (laughs) right? You, but you can get pretty close. Like the human, we can get pretty close like for our ears but it's like that's the i think the idea with midi 2.0 is it's meant to be like as close like closer to reality because midi has always had that like connotation at least to people who aren't like in the music tech understanding world like they're like oh it just sounds like mario man like it's a midi file geez yeah it just sounds really 8-bit and like crap and there's no
0: People yeah. think of Sibelius sounds when they think of MIDI. Yeah, there's
1: no depth to it, and it's like, of course, well, like MIDI 1.0, you can do all that stuff, but it just takes a lot of programming. I think the MIDI 2.0 thing is going to be a little bit more like, in terms of like, if I want to play it into a MIDI keyboard, it's going to be a lot more like expressive.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that's actually really uh, sick. Actually, um, yeah. does it if, if uh, it works? If it works, uh, pitch bending and stuff it will like let you do different things.
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. pitch bend, tremolo, vibrato. Oh, that's um, cool. All that sort of stuff. You can, as will all be stored information.
0: That's the, yeah, that's actually really exciting. Like when I heard about that, I was like, wait, hang on, as if we're only on version one. And it turns out we're just still on version one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just can't I believe it's taken 50, 50
1: years. Yeah. Holy, yeah, 40 yeah. years. 40 years for them to come up with a new 2.0. <laughs>
0: people get upset when apple takes a while to release the next ios
1: oh, i know could you imagine as well if you were one of the dudes like some of the dudes so dave smith for example mm. who like was the dude who wrote the um thing being like we need to come up with a standard and like you know we need to make it so all things can talk to each other dave smith's old man he's like i'm just gonna look it up how old is Dave Smith? <laughs> he was born in Damn you, Wikipedia! You don't say. I don't know. He's, old. The- he's old, though. He's bald. He's got a mustache, and it's grey.
0: He's grey hair. Oh, grey mustache. He must be pretty old. Um, but here's the thing about like a MIDI 2.0. I never even like consciously thought to myself, when is the next version of MIDI going to come out?
1: No, of course not. could you just said never- that's one of those things that that's constantly updating.
0: I didn't even think it was. I was just like, oh, yeah, cool, MIDI exists. Yeah, it's just, you know, the new version of Logic.
1: Well, well, it's one of those things as well because that means, the the good thing about it only having one version so far, like up until now, is that you don't have like that problem of compatibility between like really old machines and really new machines. No, nothing. Oh, no, my synthesizer from 1984 can't talk to my computer from 2016. It's like, well, no, they can't because so, the standards the same and it hasn't changed in 4 years. No. Exactly so it, you can go back It's still got
0: 100% compatibility with MIDI 1.
1: Yeah, it will it'll just be that problem of resolution. So they're going to like it'll just be having like they'll be they'll have a way. I'm not sure what they're going to do about it, but they'll it'll be scaled. So some like, math thing. Yeah, it would just be an algorithm that works out. They'll
0: probably like, got someone like Jeff who knows maths but is also does, you know, music engineering. Exactly. What if exactly. they got Jeff? If they he got Jeff to do
1: MIDI 2.0, I'd be really mad if he didn't tell us.
0: Yeah, I know, right? It's part of his like, user uh, like his agreement, you cannot tell anybody.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> until it's released. He's like, sorry, guys, sup guys, you know, I'm good at maths because he was like a freak. Um so I I, I got bored. <laughs> I got so bored, I, so mini- I
1: decided to make mini 2.0. <laughs> mini mini one wasn't good enough for me.
0: <laughs> I I needed that 129th velocity.
1: Yeah, of course. I needed yeah, I needed my full full depth of uh sensitivity going on on my keyboard for that full expressive ex- expressivity to happen.
0: Yes, because jazz music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, we're coming up on an hour now. Uh that was actually pretty fun. So thanks, Dexter.
1: No worries, man.
0: Uh good, definitely gonna have you chat. back. Yeah, very good chat. Uh definitely gonna have you back on another podcast because I think there's heaps of stuff to talk about.
1: Oh, of course. There's always we can dive right in and do more niche stuff. We didn't even talk about any of my uh my experienced working on sound for film we in fact we mostly talked about music we didn't even really talk that much about sound which I mean they they're the same thing but they're also very different things so yeah
0: that could be the next episode what is sound sound versus music you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's a good
0: good topic good topic all right so I think we'll end the episode there thank you Dexter
1: thank you